Hi, Danny here, and uh, thank you for joining me for another uh, episode. I just want to apologize. The episode uh, you're about to listen to starts a little bit with the scratch and noise. Sometimes technology can be challenging. So the beginning of the recording was a bit of a problematic, but we were, I was able to quickly overcome that challenge. And I hope the rest of the episode, beyond the first minute or even less, the sound is okay. Most importantly, I hope you're staying safe during those coronavirus times and that you are not holding yourself from investing, but actually either moving forward with it or at least at minimum taking some actions to enrich your knowledge and education and position you in a much better way to continue investing as soon as you feel comfortable. On my end, on a personal note, I can tell you that March, April were a bit slow in our business, not surprisingly. But then late April and beginning of May, I have started seeing much more or, or an increase in our investors' activity. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And most importantly, I hope you will benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, like, so I would assume this is working. I sure hope so. Uh, yeah, a bit of a challenging morning, I guess, technology-wise, but that, that happens every once in a while. Um, so uh, going back, to, so let, 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 me, let me just say this. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate it. Um, when we are considering investing, many of us, the first thing that we do is we go and buy something locally. Um, say, drive within half an hour to an hour from my house, from where you live, and purchase a rental property and rent it and then manage it or use a property manager. That's not the point right now. We'll talk about that in a second too. But that's not always. Um, but that's not always the case or not always feasible. Uh, let's say you live in the San Francisco Bay Area. In the San Francisco Bay Area, even when you drive an hour out, you're not going to get too far. And the type of asset you will buy would be either super expensive with a low rent relatively to the purchase price, or you really have to drive even further out and find some lower end type of properties, right? Lower end type of properties. So again, this is not necessarily the preferable way. And that's not always the case. So San Francisco is, is an example of a more extreme, but um, you can go in different parts of the country and see that... Um, that uh, um, th this is a common practice. And I'm not saying, you see, you may live in, uh, you know, I spoke to a couple in um, from uh, Montana, uh, uh, South Dakota. Oh, where is it? I can't remember right now. One of those, uh, 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 um, one of the bigger cities in, in uh, South Dakota. And they said, listen, you know, we could probably make it work here, but the numbers are not that attractive on one hand. And also the local economy is not as resilient on the other end. And even though the real estate around us is not super expensive, we still rather go and buy in a, in a different location. And obviously they have a lot of concerns and we address them. So a lot of the things that a lot of us, even if we live in, 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 a, in a real estate area that it's not super expensive, it's still how much rent can we get for it will be a starting point. And it's not 
always a preferable way to go about real estate, um, not a preferable way to go about buying real estate, even if it's local for different reasons, right? So the local real estate, the proximity aspect of it is not that attractive. And that many times for one reason or another, financial reasons, resilience or something else drive us to go to, to consider or to go to a different market, right? Some areas is a clear cut, I should go outside. And some areas around the country, it's not a clear cut, but still you may come to that conclusion. Now let's talk about some of those myths. So let's say you are thinking about buying in another metro or somewhere which is a thousand or thousands of miles away from your house, okay, from where you live. The first thing that people think about is, do I need to travel? Do I have to travel, I should say? The answer, in my opinion, from my experience, and maybe I should say I've been doing remote investing um, probably, not probably, since 2002 and more extensively since 2004. I've been involved in the purchase of uh, or helped others in, in, in purchase more than 4,500 uh, rental properties over the years. So that actually gives a little bit of perspective or some experience, right? So let's say... I've been through the through the trenches quite a lot. Still, still do. I'm not done with it. Um, and what I've seen is that, you know, for the question that do you have to travel, my answer is the simple answer is no, you don't. Especially today, or the more technology advances, the less the need for uh, for uh, traveling. Now, does it mean you should not travel? Consider traveling. I always think that even though you don't have to. You should, especially if you're a beginner, especially when you're starting out, just because I think when you travel out there, you will get to see the area, you will get to see the people that you're engaging with, such as property manager and realtor, you get a sense and feel that what you're doing is real. So traveling out there is not going to be beneficial in the decision-making or knowledge or experience, you know, or knowing a metro, you're not going to learn metro within even a week if you stay in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a place, not to mention a day or two, but you get a sense of reality, you see the type of areas you would consider, you see the type of areas you wouldn't consider, you would see the people, you build the confidence in the team, you build the confidence in the market, the traveling out there mainly feeds into our lack of confidence or fear by actually mitigating. When you go out, you see the reality. You see, oh, it's an actual house. It's an actual neighborhood. Hey, what's this? Here's Target, here's Walmart, here's Whole Foods, if they have it. Here's the, you know, Vons or Ralph or whatever, or Safeway or whatever, Publix, it doesn't matter. You can actually see many times when you go out there. So my my bet is this. My my challenge to you, if I take you right now and just plug you in a, in a in another metro around the country with you not knowing where I'm plugging you, my guess, you would not have any idea where you are. You will be like, it looks exactly the same, very similar, the same chains, right? In and out, McDonald's, all of those things. It just duplicates. So when you go out there, you actually see it's, it's pretty much the same. Now, seeing with your own eyes that it's pretty much the same is not a bad experience. It's actually a good experience because you have that... Um, confidence, you have that uh, reduced fear aspect by just going and buying out there. So, do you have to travel in order to buy? The simple answer is no. 
My suggestion is yes, especially when you're starting out, okay? If you don't want to duplicate it every time, that's fine, but you can do it, you know, especially when you start out, but it's not a must. Number two, property managers. Okay, we, ha we had a whole session of property manager, I think like two, a week or two weeks ago. You're most welcome to, uh, um, to, to take a look or take a listen. By the way, typically all our sessions are recorded on Facebook right here, YouTube right there, and on our uh, podcast right here, except today things are a little bit, you know, uh, more challenging. So if you want link to um, the podcast or if you want link to the YouTube or if you want link to our podcast in another language, which is Hebrew, my second language or my first language, just put a note, just put a comment here and we'll share with you no problem. So we have that today. It's a little bit more challenging. Uh, the reason I'm saying is because we, I put out a lot of content, a lot, I hope valuable. That's what I aspire to do. Not sales pitch in order for you to be educated and to know more about investing. The feedback that I usually get is I listen, I like, I enjoy, I benefited from your content. So you are most welcome to, um, to benefit from it. By the way, we have a special website that we uh, launched recently for educational purposes uh, with free videos and cost, you know, uh, um, and courses about real estate investing at a, at a different cost level. You are most welcome to benefit from that as well. Just make sure you are contacting me and I will send you the link for those uh, uh, for that uh, new uh, investing academy that we've launched recently. Going back to the topic of property managers, property managers. The first myth is all property managers are crooks. That's what everybody knows, right? Everybody has a story of a friend, of a friend, of a friend, of a friend, how the property manager cheated him, okay? We all know that. Now, does it mean all of them are, are crooks? Well, let me tell you. I guess something that I'm doing on my end and after 16 years of working and after 4,500 plus properties, I guess I'm able to find the, the 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 good ones, the good guys. Now, are the good guys perfect? Not at all. Are the good guys trustworthy? You know, hardworking, reliable. They're not you know trying to 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 cheat you know us the owners. Apps, my good guys, yes. It's just harder to find them, but there are others. So let's say ninety percent of this industry are all bad property managers, but the rest ten percent even if they're not perfect, are good people. My guess, it's actually you know much better in, in favor of good people, but it's hard to find them. So, property managers are not all bad people. Property managers, there are good property managers out there, and it's uh, art and science to be able to find them and identify them, but to keep that in mind, not all of them are bad people, right? So, if you're immediately thinking, who's gonna manage it and they're gonna cheat, you know, they're, gonna, they're crooks, wrong. You're hurting yourself. Just know how to find the better ones. So, you know, easier, easier said than done. But still, that's the truth. You don't, you know, uh, off it. Now, if you are someone who's considering investing, and you're thinking, "Oh my God!" But I need, you know, I don't want to buy those crappy properties for thirty, forty thousand dollars. There, this is bad area. I want nice areas like middle-class type of areas, but that costs a lot of money, and how am I gonna afford it? And I have saving, but not a lot. Well, let me tell you this. Assuming you can get a mortgage, you can probably buy a nice house, 
with as little as $25,000 and a mortgage, okay? So twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 will probably be your entry amount in order to buy in a nice area, you know, Again, not a fancy area, not a not a luxury area, but not the you know the the, the bad you know kind of lower end type of areas. So I would say twenty five thousand to thirty thousand plus a mortgage, assuming you can qualify, right? And you don't have to be super rich to, to qualify. You just have to have that stability in your work and your good credit score doesn't have to be perfect. Will probably be your entry uh, entry point. On our end, we definitely see most of our investors are putting a higher or, or, or requiring a higher amount, more like 40,000, which is not that far off, just because they're mainly, uh, mainly, uh, uh, um, you know, mainly um, going after the nicer pieces of property, properties. But 25 to 30 is a starting point. So just be, keep, keep that in mind that for 25,000 or 30,000, you're not buying the house you're buying with the mortgage and that will uh, give you the entry point for a nice piece of property you know probably like a C, C area you know which I call it the lower middle class type of area so C schools still make sense you know with a, with a, uh, uh, you know in a good market not in the Bay Area not in Portland not in New York right obviously but other parts of the country um, now, if you're saying, wait, I can buy, I don't have to travel, I can buy from remotely, sign the documents, but when I have to close, I need to travel and close over there on the property to actually close, go to title. The simple answer is absolutely, you don't have to do that. Again, all the closing is, is done, it can be done remotely. If you want to go, that's fine, but it can be done remotely. I have investors, clients are, that are closing, buying properties from overseas definitely from within the country uh, you know living in california it is so simple and easy that you can actually be wherever you are and a notary comes with a package of documents to you at work at home and then you sign with a notary and send it back and you close i have closed and purchased properties from the my house from my office from a hotel lobby when I was traveling in Jackson, Mississippi, closing a house in, in Florida while I was traveling. The, you know, the, the notary met me there. I have went over to UPS store to sign the documents. Um, I have, um, I have uh, what else? I have been in DC at my family visiting, closing on another house in Florida. So you can do it from everywhere. By the way, this coronavirus situation may even make it easier, simpler, with the webcam notary coming more and more into this, you know, into this place. So then the webcam notary is not a new thing. It's I think it's it was before the coronavirus uh, um, uh, crisis uh, was allowed or legal in Virginia and two other states. Now more states are coming into that sphere. So I think that will actually make it even easier. But you know what? Just having a notary come to my house and you know sign that's easy. So you don't have to travel. That's also important. Um, what about maintenance, maintenance emergencies? Not maintenance issues, maintenance emergency, right? So first of all, let's see what is a maintenance emergency. So many times people are like, oh, what's going to happen? You know? Okay, 
I have an emergency right now going on in Chicago, right? And by the way, I'm speaking to you from Southern California. Right now, yesterday, a lot of rain in Chicago, one of my houses, water coming into the basement. We've been had, we've had, uh, you know, rain coming and pouring on this house for two years. All of a sudden, I have no idea what changed. Nothing changed. Still, here's an emergency. What do you think I'm doing? So it happened, reported yesterday. Yesterday, the team was there to mitigate whatever needs to be done in order to slow the, you know, slow the situation from getting worse as much as they can. So they dry, they, they put some dryer, whatever they can to at least try to, uh, to slow it down, the, the damage. Now, immediately an insurance claim is opened by me, and I already, see, this is not even 24 hours. I already spoke to the insurance, uh, you know, company, an adjuster is going out there, if not today, tomorrow. See, 24 to 48 hours, an adjuster is going to be at the house, and the team is right there with an expert, because this is something related to, I don't know, plumbing speci speciality. is already there as we speak, dealing with, trying to figure out what's going on. So, even in case of an emergency... There are people on the ground, like a property manager and a specialist if needed, you know, that's a very rare event, that will go to the house and deal with it. So you don't have to deal with the emergency. There are people on the ground that will probably do a better job than, than you and I would do, just because that's their profession, that's their day-to-day, -day, that they've seen stuff. So dealing with emergency, right now, if this was a house nearby, I would have to drop everything, not hold this session, drive over there and freak out. Right now, I'm here. I'm talking to you to tell you that I'm having fun. The fact, the fact that there's a problem in the house, not at all. But it's being handled the same way I would probably handle it myself if I was there or if the house was here. So even emergency, there are people that can take care of the property from property manager to expert to different things. So uh, you don't have to worry about emergency. Now I will say, some people have the mindset that if a house is nearby, I can go and check, go and see, you know, and, and see what happens with it, right? I can outside and touch the wall from the inside, right? So that's something that a lot of people have the psyche or the psychology aspect of it because it's fear. But let me tell you something. If you own a house nearby, you will probably go, you know, like as a rental, not your own, you will probably go once, Check it out. A month later, you may go again. And on the third month, you may not even go there. And all of a sudden, it seems like a very boring experience, even if it's only 20 minutes from your house. And when something breaks, you know what? There's a very good chance that you will send someone over and you're not going to even bother going there. So there's a lot of psychology going here that people think, oh, if the house is nearby, I can check or manage it yes you can but what is the trade-off right expensive house nearby or the numbers don't really work versus a house over there that someone else can do the work for you just you know just something to think about so uh maintenance emergencies is not uh, by the way in all my career how many maintenance emergencies have i had very few so it's not a common practice we can't let the the rare incident event affect <clears throat> sorry decision on what happens usually usually there are no maintenance emergencies right so just keep that in mind um now 
Some will say, some people tell me, but Danny, you know, what am I going to do? I have one property management, let's say in Nashville, Tennessee. And I am one guy or one gal with a property manager who has 600 properties. They don't even care about me. Well, you know, that's, I'll be honest. That's a good point, right? I would bet that if you are fighting over attention of the property manager with one property and you're fighting with the guy who has 10, you will probably have less of a leverage, right? I would, I would assume that. But that doesn't mean it's the reality. That doesn't mean you're actually competing with that person. That doesn't mean the, you know, the, uh, the, the property manager doesn't want to do good by you. Why? Because the property manager, 80% of his clients, 90% of your clients are exactly like you. So that means he needs to, to you know, not, not care about 90% of the clients and only care about the 10% who own more than one property. That's not the reality. The property manager... Tend, listen, property manager far from being perfect. They're busy. I call them firefighters. They're always going and, and putting out fires, right? Whatever is burning right now, that's what they're dealing with, okay? So I may suffer as the owner, okay? Owning one property or even multiple because they're dealing with an emergency, okay? That's common practice with them. Now, do will, will I get a better attention if I have multiple properties? Very likely. Doesn't mean it's the reality every day that we're getting emergency and we suffer, not at all. Now, now the way I decided to solve this, is very simple. I tell all my clients, when you work with us, simply do it. We are the biggest account of the property manager. So even if you own one property, just of your, the association will simply do it. You are part of the biggest account. And that biggest account usually means it as if you have one property, but you're the owner of 100, okay? With that property manager, one. So that always helps with escalating or upgrading your VIP status or to a VIP status when you work with someone like us, because I can't say you're not gonna suffer just because you're owning one. I don't believe that you will, but the fact that you are part of a, of a network of simply do it, then guess what? You're going to be benefiting for better fees and your, your and an elevated status because the property managers know very well that if you're not happy, your next call is going to be to simply do it. And our next call is going to be to them. And guess what? They don't like getting those calls because it always puts more tension on the relationship. And I can tell you, I can prove you the point very well. You know, the property managers, when I call them on the phone to kind of deal with some situation, usually they answer the phone and follows. Yes, boss, what can I do for you? They joke, but they mean it. And what do I mean by they mean it? They, 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 I'm not their employer, right? This is not an employee-employer relationship. But the person who's heading their biggest account, simply do it, is on the phone. And he knows... I need to take, make sure this guy, me, is happy. And I am very easy to please, take care of my clients, and I'm very happy. And that usually sets the tone immediately. It puts things in a higher priority. It helps, right? Again, it's not a guarantee that everything will be perfect, but it lowers that noise aspect. It lowers that chances. Working with us is a way to mitigate the fear or concern of an individual owner, you know, getting lost 
in multiple, multiple properties with one property management company. Just keep that in mind. So um, I wouldn't be concerned about it. I wouldn't make decision based on it, but it's definitely nice or good to know that you have that solution in your life. Should you decide to work with us, of course. You got to work with us first. And lastly, I want to say this. Again, it's all related to property managers. A lot of investors, when they own or purchase the property for the first time, I hear it all the time. They very, very soon after, when there is a situation or friction with the property management company or maintenance or tenant, I hear the following. Oh, I thought the property manager is me when I'm not there. That's a very common phrase that I, he I heard so many times in my career. Let me break it down to you. That's not correct, okay? That's not the case. Is it the property manager is completely not me when I'm not there? That's incorrect also. The correct answer is somewhere in the middle. Let's call it some gray area. So you're the owner and you work with the property managers. Is the property manager gonna make, gonna, gonna take the care of the property as, as attentive as you if you were there? The answer is no. Are they gonna be neglecting it? The answer, if you pick the right one, the answer is no. So there's a lot of responsibility, or not a lot, but some responsibility on you and a lot on the property manager. But if you're buying a property, you say, oh, I got a property with a property manager and the property manager is 100% taking care of things and I can just sit back, relax, kick back. You are going about it the wrong way. Using a property manager shifts the, pass, the activeness of ownership towards more passive, okay? You. If you're not with a property manager, you're 100% active. If you're using a property manager, you're probably shifting to 90% passive and, you know, and outsourcing, you know, outsourcing that to property manager. So the property manager will take care of most things. But if you're saying you think that property manager is going to be 99% taking care of things and you can kick back and relax, go to sleep, you are wrong. You're going about it the wrong way. And you can, you, and you, you're probably going to be, hurting yourself in the long run. So keep that in mind. You are sh using a property manager, shifting a lot of the attention from yourself to someone else, but it's not buy and forget. It only reduces the activeness, passiveness, or involvement on your behalf, but it's not eliminating it out of the, out of the equation at all, okay? Keep that in mind, that's very important. Very, very important. Remember this. When you buy a rental property, the ultimate responsibility is upon the owner, you. So if you're not keeping that in mind and you're like, oh, there's a property manager, you are going about it the wrong way, okay? Keep that in mind. It's very important. I've seen it after 16 years, more than 4,500 properties. I have seen it multiple times. Sometimes my own clients that I teach them not to behave like this and they still behave in that way. And many times by someone that outside of our network that just, I didn't know, I didn't think about it. There's some, some, some uh, surprise when it happens. When we work with our clients, investors, one of the first things that I do every that I provide and do, and for years we've done it, and it's, I think it's one of our most amazing tools, is when you close on a property, we provide you with the owner crash course. The owner of crashers teaches you step by step of emphasize what is your responsibility in more details and what is the property manager responsibility and what are the fail, the things that will probably or most likely to fail and how to mitigate it 
right off the bat. Let me give you an example. It's a clear example from, from, from this week. I get a call from one of our investors who bought a, a property in Houston in 2000, <clears throat> in 2017. He got a, a, by mail or the door, he was sued by the HOA and he didn't really understand what's going on, right? And he was freaking out at first. We talked, I told him, well, you know, we called, I gave him the, you know, what, you know, instructions, what needs to be done, you know, that's not a pleasant situation, but it's not that dramatic. And he's taking care of it. He knows what he needs to do, and he's taking care of it, and it's not that horrific. It looks horrific, it's not, okay? So, now, if he has done few of the things that we instructed with the checklist and the owner crash course, and this is one of my clients, when he purchased the house, I am 95% sure this would not even happen. I'm not blaming him. He got busy. There's so many things moving parts. You know, he just kind of forgot about it or neglected to do it. It's not, he just needed to do a few things on his end to make sure things are done properly, such as, you know, updating addresses and stuff like that. And he didn't. And it happens. And it's okay. Right? But we told him and we told our investors, you got to do make sure after you close, the following happens, like a month or two after, make sure one, two, three, four, five, six, and be ready for one, two, and we really put an emphasis on those could go wrong, and will go wrong, and how to prevent them, and changing the mindset, what is my responsibility on the owner, what's the property manager, that will save you 80% of the hustle, and how do I know it's going to save you 80% of the hustle, because Years back, before I started providing this owner crash course, I would get a lot of questions and a lot of issues and friction related to the property management and the ownership from my client base. And I said, that's wrong. That's wrong. And then I sat down and I have so much experience and so many things that I've done that cost me in stress, in losses, in, in time, in energy, in attention, in and so on. And what I've done is I put this course together. And watch, by the way, we updated about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, um, and when I started providing this course to others, to my clients, and they have access to it as soon as they, uh, as soon as they purchase the first property, and they will have access to review it again and again in the future. 80% of the issues of the complaints dropped. 80%. Why? Because we taught them correctly how to go into this, you know, mindset-wise, you know, fail points, etc. 80%, right? So that's very important. And I'm very, I'm glad that I did it. It really educated and empowered my owner, you know, my clients. And we do one other thing. Twice a year, winter, summer, we send an email, a reminder. Hey, my dear client, have you, you know, as uh, you own properties with us, it only goes to owners, right? Remember, here's 13, 14, 15 things checklist that I want you to kind of review or look into as an owner so you can actually make sure everything is fine. In simple terms, don't, you know, don't neglect your property. Don't, you know, go to sleep, right? Check your insurance. Check with the property manager about something. There's a checklist. You still have to do it. The responsibility on execution is on you. 
I'm trying to provide you the roadmap. I'm trying to provide you the reminder so we won't be in, in you know in bad situation. Okay, so it's it and it works very well. So what I'm trying to say is this: when it comes to the property managers, there's a lot. It's a whole chapter, but if you know how to do it, and you're and especially if you work with someone like us that has systems and processes in place and leverage and you know and uh, uh, leverage and um, 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 and can help you prevent. Ideally, let's prevent issues. But when the issues are happening, then you have another leverage either to consult with, to think about, or help you solve. Obviously, that kind of reduces the whole concept of ownership and property management and makes it less of a, of a not less of a critical, less of a, uh, impactful, less stressful, less stressful. Okay. And again, don't take it, don't think for a second that everything is perfect. And when we will buy with us, you will have no issues. What's Yes, you will. There will be vacancies. There will be repairs. There will be miscommunication with the property manager. Those things will happen. But what we're trying to do here is minimize it. Okay? And the minimization of that is a whole formula that I'm not going through right now on different aspects of the uh, of the investing. So it starts with decisions and it goes to ownership, etc. So let me... Let me, I see one or two questions. I'm going to take them in a second, but let me summarize. Couple of myths. Number one, not all property managers are crooks. Number two, you don't have to go out and see the property. You can do everything 100% remotely. Yes, you should consider going, but you don't have to. Number three, you probably need about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 to buy a nice piece of real estate in this country with a mortgage okay so you don't have to be rich you don't have to you don't need two hundred thousand dollars in order to get started right again i'm talking about other areas that you probably live in i'm not talking about the bay area i'm not talking about you know seattle or la other parts of the country um number four you don't have to travel to close notary can come to you and you can close in the comfort of your home office even when you're on the road i've done it number five Dealing with you know maintenance emergencies can be a scary thing, but if you have the team in place, you're gonna be you will find it's not that difficult when you have the right team in place. Okay, so that's another thing. Uh, um, dealing with the maintenance emergencies, and by the, by the way, maintenance emergencies are very rare. Okay, number six. Don't assume that just by owning one property with a large property management company will give you zero clout or leverage not a, not not a good assumption not if you're choosing the right company further if you work with simply do it or someone like us that has the bandwidth the capacity the leverage the clout you will immediately elevate your position or your status with the property manager from a client to a vip client why buying power okay we are the biggest account by far with all the property management companies that we work with. And lastly, don't go into this saying, wait, the property manager is me when I'm not there. Wrong assumption. The property manager is not you when you're not there. That doesn't mean they're not doing their job, but don't think in that mindset. Your mindset should be a little bit different. Now, with that said, let me see. I see some questions. Let me try and... Okay, sorry for, uh, it's been a bit of a challenging. Thank you, Jonathan. Awesome stuff, I appreciate it. 
Uh, do you have fixer properties in your inventory? I know you guys used to. Not much right now. Uh, we are, um, we do have what I call um, the hybrid. Hybrid is a property that, it's not a classical flip or a fixer upper, but it's maybe a property that requires some work, you know, like extensive work, TLC, tender, caring, loving, uh, in order to make it uh, 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 better. Um, let's take an example. Let's say you have a property and that property needs a new roof, HVAC, you know, AC and heater, um, new flooring, doesn't matter right now, no flooring at the moment, you can see the concrete, a whole, you know, paint the entire house, appliances. So basically, it's a livable house, but it's not in a livable condition, okay? It needs tons of work or lots of work, but nothing major in terms of we don't need to add another floor, we don't need to move walls around, we don't need to do extensive repair foundational, but just a lot of TLC, okay? Uh, and, and of course, when you have a house like this, there's going to be more. There's going to be more things that need to be addressed. So let's say this house needs, you know, twenty thousand dollars worth of work, ten for the roof and ten for everything else. So I'm just making it up, twenty-five, right? Whatever. Now this house is usually it's I call it the hybrid because the 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 flipper doesn't really see the potential because there's not enough margin for them to put the effort and flip it. You know and make you know with all the cost of buying and selling to make a price you know a nice profit so the flipper is not really interested the homeowner is not interested because that means a homeowner buys this house and then they have to put twenty twenty five thousand dollars more into it to make it livable right so while it's something they can love to do because they make it their own they don't usually have that, that amount available or if they have it they want to keep it to themselves plus a house like I just described many times would not pass an appraisal. So that means an appraisal comes in and says, listen, put heating, cooling, flooring, appliances, it's livable, I can appraise it. But without those items, which are relatively easy to do, they just need a little bit of money, a little bit of attention, the, uh, <clears throat> then, then, uh, then that's, uh, uh, that's something that the... the the owner, um, sorry, the buyer, the retail buyer, the homeowner wouldn't get appraisal, which means no mortgage, or they would uh, they would not want to spend the money, or both. So that kind of falls between the cracks, and they're how to find that meets everything you know that we like. But if we can find something like this, it's a perfect ideal house for a cash buyer. Okay, cash buyer to buy to fix up, you know, and again, not a flip. And then rent it and take a mortgage on it and then start with, you know, renting it out. So that's a very, very, it's a perfect situation, but it's a very, it's a good fit for a cash buyer. Remember that the bank, conventional bank, unconventional, meaning hard money loans, no problem. Conventional bank would have, would, would not want to, would not appraise or would not uh, agree to, uh, to fund a house like this. So approach either cash and then after finishing refinancing or some other alternative, hard money, private money, gap land, whatever, and then refinancing thereafter, okay? Just two approaches how to mitigate that. But that's uh, something that, uh, yeah, uh, we can do. We definitely have them, hard to find, 
but we definitely have them every once in a while. And I see that you're saying that's what you're looking for. Um, okay, so keep in touch and then we can talk about it. We, are, we, we have uh, not a lot of our investors are looking for that. Most investors don't want to hustle with uh, fixing up, but those who want, I think there's a lot of value in that type of property. Awesome stuff. Great content, as always. Thank you, G, my friend. Thank you very much. Um, okay, let me see. I don't see additional questions coming in. So, uh, thank you very much. Well, if you have more questions, I'll, I'll wait for a second. But I want to say, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time on a, on a Friday. I hope the background noise is not too distracting. Unfortunately, this is going to be, this has been a challenging Friday. Those things happen. Um, we are here to help you buy mainly rental properties, maybe hybrid as well, and, uh, and, and succeed in real estate. We operate in multiple US metros. Uh, that means we have people on the ground, teams on the ground that are good with uh, what they do. We take a lot of time and attention and, and to find those right people uh, so we can provide you with a turnkey operation, not a turnkey property, a turnkey operation. So that means when you buy, Everything is ready. Lender, property manager, um, 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 realtor, uh, insurance people if you need, attorneys, if everything. You don't have to choose from, take the people that we need, that we use every time, but the core ones that are at least a property manager and realtor, we definitely have them vetted carefully, work, train, monitor, etc. So you're most welcome to get in touch with me. And I want to mention this. Uh, uh, just a reminder, one, if you're interested in getting access to our new Real Estate Investing Academy, you're most welcome. Just email me or send me a message and I will send you the, uh, you know, the, the, the link. That's one. Number two, this session, which we try to do every Friday, is usually going here on Facebook, on YouTube, and on the podcast. So if you want link to the other uh, channels, let, you know, just put it here and I'll share, and share the link with you to any of those channels. And I will mention, we also have a podcast in Hebrew, which is the number one uh, podcast in Hebrew for re U.S. real estate investing. So if you want to have that, uh, uh, we can send you that link as well. With that said, I don't see any. Oh, maybe uh, one more question came in. Let's just check here. This has been a tough morning. Okay. <clears throat> gotcha. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining. Good to see a lot of uh, familiar names. Some of the names I'm not familiar with yet. So I want to wish all of you Shabbat Shalom. And I uh, hope you're surviving this, surviving this period of our life in a good way. And uh, have a great rest of your day. And have a great weekend. And I hope to hear from you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Shabbat shalom, bye bye.